0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Greetings and welcome to The Worship Review. My name is Tyler. I am a graduate student at a large Midwestern university in the United States where I study linguistics and German and I'm joined by my regular co-host Colin. My name is Colin. I'm here <laughs> <You're to> <laughs> say It looks like my Hi, mind. my name is <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh, goodness. Believe it or not, I'm actually a professional of some kind. <laughs> and I have degrees. Do you profess Despite this? Despite that, I do profess it. I am, a, yeah, I am a history professor, in fact. Up for tenure this year, in fact.
0: And on this podcast, we critically examine the texts of songs being sung by the church. And so, in this first season, we've chosen songs in the top 30 of the CCLI at the time of recording um, the Christian licensing um, organization that it tells us which songs that are not a part of the public domain are being sung by the overwhelming majority of Christians. And today we're looking at uh, an oldie, uh, the Revelation song, uh, written originally by Jenny Lee Riddle, made famous uh, by Carrie Job and Phillips Craig and Dean. In that order, I think. For every song, we ask three questions. First, what is it about or who is it about? Second, what happens? And third, is it consistent, coherent, and clear? And then we'll give a recommendation. And this song really hits home for me because I have led this song before in worship. So Colin, who or what is the Revelation song about?
1: It is a song about a singer's the worshipper's experience or vision about which is which is heavily dependent upon language and revelation. So it's not it's not a it's not just a subjective revelatory visionary experience. It it is a song that describes or echoes. Let's say it echoes or alludes to John's own description of and also Ezekiel and there are a few other places as well where. We see references to the kind of imagery that's in this song. So, it's a song about the worshiper seeing these things and then describing the lamb, which is identified as Jesus in verse 3, the king of kings. It, it, the worshiper is adoring God, and a, particularly adoring the son of God, adoring Christ.
0: And much of the wording is taken directly from yeah. the book of Revelation. Yeah. Hence the title.
1: Like you, I have led this song and actually have always felt a little trepidation about leading this song. And I'll get into why that was in a little little bit, I'm sure. But part of my trepidation I realized in researching for this episode was partly ill-founded because, and just was based on some of my ignorance of of revelation. So for example, there are descriptions about like rainbows and thunder and lightning and I'd always kind of thought like is that is that really in revelation but no like there there are rainbows like that that is described in the book of revelation thunder and lightning appear a ton in revelation in describing the majesty of God so mm-hmm. yeah this is a song which takes directly from revelation it describes Christ as worthy it describes Christ as slain. It describes Christ sitting on the mercy seat at mm. the throne of, of grace. It is also at times, though, about the experience of the worshiper. There are some places where the focus does kind of go inward into what the worshiper is feeling about this, like feelings of wonder and feelings of being overwhelmed with kind of the mystery So, it's a song about God and then also about the experience. What do you think, Tyler?
0: I Actually, it's funny that you mentioned verse 3. In my notes, uh, I wasn't sure what to put next to verse 3, and I've just put a question mark for a certain <laughs> thing, and I think we'll get into that. This is scripture, and it uh, often borrows directly from the book of Revelation to praise God and the Lamb as well, uh, Before, right before the seals are opened that reveal God's will, and no matter how you interpret the Book of Revelation, and and there are brilliant people who disagree on how to interpret the Book of Revelation. Yeah. It's generally assumed that this is something that um, will happen in the future. We yes. will, we will stand before the throne of God and offer this praise to Him. Yeah. And so, in in many ways, this song uh, elicits maybe kind of a premonition. Or um, it elicits this heavenly desire in each of us to sing this with all the nations before God.
1: Yeah. I mean, I find myself emotionally affected by that. Not just, and it's not because, purely because of the way the song's done or whatever. Like, this song does tap into a longing that I think God does give his people to be with him in this way. What happens in the song?
0: Well, we see the lamb was slain. He Mm -hmm. is worthy. Someone sits on heaven's mercy seat. And so you said Jesus sits on heaven's mercy seat. I think it's Jesus. I'm not convinced, Colin. And frankly, I don't know. Um, Okay, why? Well, in Revelation 5, the Lamb is preparing to open the seven seals. And beginning at verse 11 here, I'll read what happens. Then I looked and I heard the voices of many angels and living creatures and elders encircling the throne. And their number was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands in a loud voice. They said, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne mm-hmm. and to the Lamb be oh. praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. Okay. And I think most biblical commentators identify this being that sits on the throne from whence lightning and thunder and rainbows and um, colors come is, is God, the Father. Okay. okay. And, and Christ is the Lamb. And Matthew Henry's commentary on this lays this out pretty clearly and why. Mm. This is his commentary on Revelation 4, uh, right before this. After the Lord Jesus had instructed the apostle to write to the churches the things that are, there was another vision. The apostle saw a throne set in heaven, an emblem of the universal dominion of Jehovah. He saw a glorious one upon the throne, not described by human features, so as to be represented by a likeness or image, but only by his surpassing brightness. The rainbow is a fit emblem of that covenant of promise which God has made with Christ as head of the church and all his people in him. So, I think the one sitting on the throne that the people in heaven are offering praise to is the Father, and the Lamb is praised separately. And this is actually a gripe that I have with this song. It does not make clear that that praise is offered to distinct entities in the book of Revelation. So, what we have is one seated on the throne. We We don't have these human images to see him. We have lights, colors, rainbows, lightning, Mm -hmm. thunder, Um, this glory that is so, uh, I mean, this is the glory that Moses couldn't look at straight in the eye, right? This is the glory that, you know, he had to turn for Moses to see.
1: What about the clarity of the song? Okay, this is tricky because Revelation is itself a challenging book as far as clarity goes. That is not, I'm not impugning the Holy Spirit. I'm just acknowledging that it is a mysterious book. It is a a book that has perhaps more than any other of the Bible caused the widest variance in interpretations. The song situates itself right in that and really doesn't try to leave it. The sure. logic of the song is, boom, I'm in Revelation. Like, like worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Like, the, any Christian who hears that is immediately in Revelation chapter 4 right. and 5. So, the song just takes you right there it's it just boom you you you're not um which is the way that John was taken there too by the way so you're in the throne room of god and then it just starts describing it 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 draws on the refrains that we see in the the actual content of scripture and then we start seeing these wondrous mysterious things so
0: this was very hard for me because i loved leading this song I loved singing this in the congregation and I found myself scratching my head more and more the more I started to pick at some of the uh, expressions in this song and so I have to say I don't find it to be I don't find it to be that clear it's it's clear in that it takes it borrows directly from scripture but then it pastes it together in such a way that it's actually more confusing to me because I don't know if I'm singing praise to God the Father or God the Son, mm-hmm. or if I'm just meant to not try and think about that and just praise God um, in in this sort of vague way. So, I, I also, to be honest with you, Colin, I don't know what heaven's mercy seat is. I know what the mercy seat is in, in the, um, Exodus in and the, in the Old Temple. Testament. Yeah. I know, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, Covenant is covered with a golden lid and there are these cherubs and they lift their arms and Yahweh is uh, appearing there for the priest who entered the holiest of holies. But I think Hebrews makes very clear that Christ atoned once and for all. And um there is there's no need for more sacrifice of blood um and it seems to me if 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 heaven's mercy seat uh, is to be understood as God's throne on which he's sitting because that's where Yahweh appears that's that's fine with me that's clear enough but I don't see this this wording anywhere else, so I don't even know what it's supposed to mean in this context. Um, and and frankly, just take apart the the refrain: "Worthy is the Lamb who was slain; holy, holy is He." Okay, so we're talking about the Lamb Christ, but Christ isn't the one who's sitting on the throne. When we, in as far as I understand the Book of revelation when John sees this glorious one seated on the throne i understand that to be god the father so it's fine if we direct uh this praise for the lamb's worthiness and then redirect a new song to god the father seated on the throne but that that doesn't mean that the song made that transition clear
1: uh hebrews chapter 9 talks about the idea that there the things on earth are copies of the things in heaven so he says in verse 23 it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites, and he describes but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these so by heavenly things paul might mean things actually in heaven he, he might not mean that but he, he could mean things in heaven in which case then we verse 24 kind of makes sense because it says, for Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Now, none of Hebrews chapter nine says there's a mercy seat in heaven, but there is discussion at the beginning of chapter nine describing the temple and the earthly place of holiness which is which is the temple and the holy of holies. So behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place. And then it describes it and in addition in in addition to listing other things that are in the most holy place, Paul says that there was a mercy seat there. So you could infer from that that okay there's some kind of mercy seat in heaven, but it doesn't explicitly say that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the mercy seat s- still would be actually a seat that someone sits on in heaven. Right. I don't know.
0: Because if if the mercy seat in the tabernacle and later in the temple what, had d- dual purpose of the place where they would offer sacrifice yeah, and the place where, where God would be present, right? in heaven, there will be no more offering of sacrifices. So right. it has to be the second... I mean, it has to be the place where God is seated or where he's present, right? And yeah. so, it, it would be, in that case, a throne. Yeah. And if it were, if there were any element in which it, and I guess we're getting into speculation here, but if there's any element in which it looks like a place where he offers sacrifices, that has to be symbolic, because there's no more offering of sacrifices right. after.
1: Right, and which is what Paul says in this very chapter. Yeah. Christ died once and for all. So, yeah. uh, So, I guess that gets, that takes me full circle back to what I was saying in the beginning, which is Revelation itself is challenging. Sure. And so, you already have to do a lot of digging to comprehend Revelation. You have to do even more digging to comprehend a song about Revelation, which is kind of selectively picking things from Revelation to to emphasize. Mm -hmm. So... So I don't know. I mean, the song. To me, this song is kind of as, for the most part, as clear as it can be. I guess.
0: Um, I maybe I'm pressing too hard on determining whether we're talking about God the Father or God the Son.
1: But I guess that brings up a question, which is, if it's such a challenge, does it make sense to try to do this? So the authors have tried to say. Revelation is really amazing, and the Throne Room of God is really amazing. Let's try to put that into song and capture not just what's happening, but capture the kind of emotional experience of that. Because clearly the song is driving at the wonder. I guess maybe the bigger question is not, you know, is this song incoherent internally, but how coherent is the venture itself like of trying to do a song like this there are songs that like i said i think have done this okay have done have tried to capture something of what is happening in revelation holy 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 i think does this pretty good Mm -hmm. uh another song i think does this well is another old song late 18th century song called all hail the power of jesus name oh let angels prostrate fall bring forth the The royal royal diadem and crown him lord of all And it Mm -hmm. describes other things, let every, you know, describes the nations worshiping. The line, with all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything and I will adore you. That's one of the lines where I felt like the song was zooming away from the wonder and it was going inside the person. To the point where I think what's happening when a person sings that line is they're almost wondering at their own wonder. They're not wondering, they're not bowled over by the amazingness of looking at God and mm. Holy, 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 and the Lamb on the throne, et cetera. I, that's that part of the song to me. The camera shifts over to the person singing, mm-hmm. and you're you're kind of em- empathizing. That's one of those moments where there's kind of empathetic wonder mm-hmm. happening, rather than wonder at the thing outside.
0: Yeah. Not to mention that 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 line ends with um, Jesus, your name is power, breath, and living water. We've already mentioned, I'm not sure what the breath is there. But then the next line is such a marvelous mystery. And it's not clear to me why that should be a mystery to the believer at
1: all. Right. His name is not a mystery to me. Right. But I think what the mystery is, is the emotions. It's what's going on inside. I see. I see. See, and I— You're so flooded with all these different—
0: Fear, terror, I mean—
1: All was once. Right. um, And and again, maybe this isn't fair because we almost always look at just the words. But when you combine that with the context of the fog machine, the strobe lights.
0: The lasers. The lasers.
1: lasers. The, you know, the sweat, the ambiance, the loud music. It puts the experience front and center rather than what is being experienced. Okay. As it were.
0: The glory of God becomes a backdrop against which I set my yeah. wonder and awe.
1: Yeah. Like it it's it's mediated, it's now mediated by the the subject. So for some reason I remember the first time that I heard and saw this song. I was in my early twenties and I had a coworker who was an evangelical Christian. And I would have described myself as an evangelical Christian at the time. And I was going to like a Calvary Chapel church, which totally would have done this song, would have loved this song. Uh, She's like, oh, you need to see this. You need to see this song. I'm like, okay. And so she takes, you know, I go over to her cubicle and she shows me the song. And I remember even at the time, like being like, whoa, like that is, like not just being amazed at her performance, but just like, I was totally carried away by the music. And funnily enough, here I am, however many years later, 15, 20, you know, 15 years later, whatever, and I watched the YouTube, and ev- and again, there's this transition where, like, so the, the, the chords are, uh, it's a major kind of set of chords, so D, it's major progression, D, A minor, C, G. And there's this part where Carrie Job holds the note, um, such a marvelous mystery, she holds the note and then instead of coming back in with the D, the band comes in with the A minor, which is not even the relative minor, so it's kind of a surprise. It's a progression that's a real dramatic progression. It, it it's it's one of the most common four chord. There are YouTube videos of people showing that this progression is in like half the pop songs. But it's 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 got a lot of drama to it. Anyway, and like even now, so even now, as a like as a you know almost forty year old man, as cynical as I've become, I'm watching this video, and they do that transition. And I'm like, I just got the little, I got the shivers. I was just like, oh, that's such a. Incredible transition Mm -hmm. and how she holds that note, and then but the backing music under her changes. Anyway, I'm saying all of this just to say that everything about the song is pointing to a kind of mystical emotional experience. And even though the words in the song, if you just look at the words, it's not horrible in terms of capturing something of revelation. If you do take in the context, I think it becomes a little more questionable mm-hmm. and i know that you led this song in a setting without all of that
0: yeah extra stuff it was almost an acoustic right. setting really right by comparison yeah and I, I agree with you the if you not if you take it out of context too if you just look at the way in which the melody propels that chorus it is so beautifully mm-hmm. written the the holy 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 flows gorgeously mm-hmm. Into is the Lord God Almighty, Mm -hmm. which is is, it's appealing to Mm -hmm. our English ears because it's a different stress pattern than what we'd usually have is Mm -hmm. the Lord God Almighty. It's is the Lord God Almighty, buzz and is and is to come. It flows so, so wonderfully. And when you put in all of those external things like the fog and the lasers and the, um, you know, thousands of young people with their at, hands in the air.
1: If it's played at Bethel Church, they probably have the painters. Yeah, the if you painting. Got
0: your painters <laughs> on the side. I, I can imagine that this is an probably almost out of body experience yeah. thing to experience. Yeah. And I do not want to shame sure. people who want to go and have an experience of worshiping God that brings them to their knees with.
1: Love again. And, we're we are longing for that yes. in a way, and we will. Exp- I think we will experience something like that.
0: Yes, we we certainly will.
1: But there are risks in trying to to kind of trick ourselves into thinking that too. Mm-hmm. Because the
0: reality of the the reality of the case is the worship that John witnesses in his revelation and the worship that awaits us in heaven mm-hmm. it, it makes what's happening at the most extravagant worship bands mm-hmm. shows look like the lamest yeah barn party right. that ever happened right um, right i mean the the that will I don't even want to speak on it because it's so high. Yeah. It's so great and above me.
1: It will make everything that we're doing look like cheap glitter being dropped from the ceiling out of the air ducts.
0: (laughs) Yes, it will. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: Uh, One other song, by the way, that I think does this okay, although I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for corporate worship, and I know people do it for corporate worship, is Is Anyone Worthy by Andrew Peterson. Have you not heard this song? No. Oh, man. Have you heard much Andrew Peterson? No. He kind of sings like this in a non threatening way. I don't know. Oh. He, uh, but anyway, it's this song called Is Anyone Worthy? And that song gives me shivers. And it gives a lot of people shivers. But it doesn't, it's less, it's just the guy, it's just got the piano. And there's some strings and there's a chorus. So you do have like, like, um, choruses of people. So you do have some, some big elements in there. But it, it's so tastefully done in my view. And it, just kind of describes the scene in heaven from John's experience again where like he like is anyone worthy to open the scroll and then in the song like Christ is worthy and that's just kind of the whole point of the song but it has this it's just not done with all of the crassness that I feel like Revelation song is done sometimes when it's performed
0: Colin, would you recommend doing this song in corporate worship?
1: Okay. This is so tricky of a question to answer. Like you, I think I've led this song at least a few times. Not too many. Because again, I always kind of had an underlying trepidation about it because of my fear of emotional, being emotionally manipulated, but also emotionally manipulating others. As a worship leader, I was really nervous about doing that because it brings a lot of power. It's kind of scary. So I didn't do this song a lot. And I always felt scared of doing it. And so my answer is probably prejudiced a little by that. So it is possible to to do this song and do it in such a way that it probably makes sense. And if you did it with some explanation, I think it would be okay. But again, I think there are just songs that do this better, and once you start adding like guitar solos and ebos and autotune vocals, it's it's too much. And so this is not an objective statement, it's r- totally subjective, but for me personally, I don't think I could lead this song because I would wanna make it cool. I would wanna make it powerful. Like I would want to capture the emotional energy of the way that I've seen it done it would be hard for me not to do it that way. I imagine that would be a temptation for others. So I would avoid it. What about you, Tyler?
0: So as someone who's led this countless times and enjoyed leading it, enjoyed praising God, our thrice holy God, I think having considered the lyrics with greater scrutiny, I'd have to say, like you, I could not... I could not stand before a church and sing this, in part because a personal stumbling block for me is singing praise to God when I'm not sure exactly what I'm saying. I actually mm-hmm. find it really hard to do. I feel as if I'm lying to God or, or I'm putting up uh, falsehood. Yeah, performing. Um, yeah, I'm just saying this; these right words and they mean nothing to me anymore, and that that's not what's happening most of the time when people sing this. But for me, I I really want to know what I'm saying to God and what I'm saying about God and offering up praise that makes sense to me and is specific about him that he's not going to object to.
1: It's hard because there are elements in the song which do come directly from the worship that we see in heaven. So clearly, parts of this song are legitimate or will be legitimate, or however you want to put it. Like, there's worship in this song. But then there are these other elements which are less clear. It's like, I don't know, there are reasons that we don't sing Genesis chapter 5 in a church, like the genealogies. Like, there are, just because Scripture is inspired, it doesn't make all of it translatable to worship music, congregational music. And I just think... Some of revelation, it's hard, again, some of revelation is obviously congregational singing. it that is exactly what it is. But then some of revelation doesn't make sense in that way or just has some perils of doing it that way. And I think maybe that's mm. s- connects to what you're what you're saying. Mm-hmm.
0: The question that's important to me, and I think should be important to most people concerned with leading worship is, if I say something to God in praise, or say something to Jesus in praise, or to the Holy Spirit in praise, like Jesus, your name is breath. What yes. what is His yes. response to that? <laughs> okay. Does He just does He just say, you know, they're trying. I, I'll <laughs> give it a pat. Like they clearly love me and they want to sing praise to me. I'm sure we know that Christ is compassionate and merciful, and he's not going to take offense at something like that. Sure.
1: And, he, but, and the Spirit interprets our groanings, so there's yes, something like that. Yes, it does. But that doesn't give babble. us license.
0: But why? Yeah. Exactly. Why Why do it if you don't have to?
1: Yeah. Why? Sure.
0: Why say things that don't make sense if you can say things that do make sense? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That's my objection to it. So, yeah. Colin, what was your rating of this song?
1: Uh, my rating was two out of five relative minors.
0: Ooh, beautiful. Beautiful. My rating was similar, surprisingly. I gave it two out of five laser beams. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Worship Review. We've enjoyed discussing this song with one another and hope that we can catch you on the next episode.
1: Take care. See you next time.
0: You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchorfm slash the worship review and patreon.com slash the worship review. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.